Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the With Love Faith podcast. I'm so excited that you guys have decided to tune in, and I, I really hope that you'll stick around. And I also just want to say thank you to everyone for their support off the back and sending topics and things that you guys want me to discuss. And I really want to be able to get to all of them. And uh, for today, we're really just going to talk about the current state of the world. Um, But before I want to go ahead and introduce myself again, (laughs) my name is Faith. I'm 22 years old and I am a senior multimedia reporting major. So ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to get entertainment, you know, especially with acting. But as I got older, I also wanted to do voice acting. And then I dabbled into journalism and radio and TV. And really, what I want to do is use my passion and skills to bring people together and to have deep conversations and to make people laugh and just truly foster community in this world. And uh, so (laughs) this podcast is actually something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And just for a a while, I was self-sabotaging myself, which is not good. So now I'm finally doing it. And I hope that you guys receive it well and you truly enjoy it. So let's get into things. The world needs love. Me, personally, I'm from the States. And I say the States instead of the United States of America because right now we're not really united. Honestly, I don't know if we've ever really been united. I've heard people say, you know, the divided states of America. But a lot of times I hear from internationals, they refer to us as the states. And that's a term that I've been using for a while now. Let's really get into why America is maybe the way it is. You know, a lot of people have been talking about COVID-19, the pandemic, and, you know, why America's response is so different than that of other countries and why we're, what is it, one of the top 10 countries in the pandemic right now? I mean, things have gotten better, thank God. But, you know, for a long time, it's still out here. But yet, you know, you have people who don't want to wear masks. The government, the president especially, discouraging against masks and playing down the issue. But why? Why is it America is like this? When you have other countries like China and Korea and just countries all over the world that have seem to tackle this issue a lot better and have gotten past it and are living a bit better now. So in the terms of communication, there's typically two types of cultures. You have an individualistic culture and then you have a collectivistic culture. Again, I'm getting into my <laughs> mass comm slash journalism majoring uh, right here. So I'm gonna give you guys a little spiel. Collectivistic culture is a culture in which there's really a huge sense of community. Let's take Korea, for example. When people in a collectivistic culture look at COVID-19 and look at having to wear masks specifically, let's talk about the mask. For them, it's, I don't know what I have, so I'm going to protect you from me as a member of our community. Because I don't know what I have, I'm going to put your safety first and I'm going to put a mask over myself. Although it might not be comfortable, again, because I don't know what I have. I don't want you to be affected. I don't want to affect members of my community. Whereas here in America, we're very individualistic in terms of ourselves. How can we benefit from things? How do things affect us personally? And that's why so many people don't like wearing masks because we look at it as, as why should I have to 
be uncomfortable, you know. I personally don't have COVID, but again, you could have COVID and be asymptomatic. Not only that, you could be a carrier. You might not be sick with COVID yourself, but you could be a carrier. And again, if you're out in public without a mask, you could be spreading it to other people. And that's one of the most interesting things I find about other cultures and how other countries, not even just, you know, the pandemic, but how they handle different things with the issue of equality and race. Obviously, every country has their race issues, but I think America especially has gotten just a lot of flack, well-deserved flack, might I add, especially given the Black Lives Matter protest amidst the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Rashard Brooks and just so many others, Ahmaud Aubrey, so many others that we have lost amidst this pandemic due to police brutality. And as a black woman living here in the States, and as a young person, you know, it, it is very, very hard to sit back and watch, as a believer especially, because people have these negative connotations. I personally am black, so this is something that I have to deal with simply because of the color of my skin. Then I also have to deal with this being a young person, because, again, my people have been suffering for more than 400 years, and we're still fighting these battles. You know, so many people think that things have gotten so much better simply because slavery is over, which is not the case because slavery still exists today, just in different forms. And there are still so many other systemic and systematic problems that plague the black community. People always think, well, slavery is over. You know, you guys don't have to worry about that. Then we went through segregation and Jim Crow. Think about how all of those systemic and systematic implements affected our community, not only then, but even now. Think about the loss of wealth, Black Wall Street. Not even just Black Wall Street, but there were times where, especially in the South, a Black family could be living well, you know, have farm animals, have nice farmland, and a white person would walk up, not like what they see, and take their land. There was this uh, article I was reading, it's a very long article, but talking about, you know, reparations. And in sort of a jump start to the conversation, it was a man's recollection of the day his family had lost everything. This young man, you know, at the time, he recalled his family losing everything. I believe his name, Clyde Ross, Clyde Ross, yes. He was born in 1923. And his family owned a farm for a 40 acre tract of land that was flushed with cows, hogs, and mules. And his mother would drive to do her shopping in a horse and buggy. And you guys can read this, it's on uh, The Atlantic. It's called the case for reparations. But throughout this article, um, you know, he recalls what it was like when these white people came and threatened his family and took everything they had. Their animals, demanded his only child of possession. This was something that was very common, especially in the South, you know. People would look at black people who had things and they didn't like it. And so they would threaten the men by threatening to rape their wives and string up their children rape their daughters and cut their limbs off, just threaten them by any means necessary because they felt they didn't deserve what they had. And so of course, to protect their families, they would give up their possessions. And you even see this nowadays, not maybe to as extreme extent, but there are definitely times where when black people have a certain things or you know they make it to certain levels, they are looked at as though they shouldn't have it. Plenty of stories that have circulated and one in particular I saw on Instagram, this lady was talking about how, how she and her family were going on a boat ride. I believe her husband is like a plastic surgeon or something. So, you know, very, very wealthy family. And 
um, I believe they had the biggest boat on the dock. But they were parking their car and getting ready to walk down the boat dock. And this white man stopped them and told them that they're going to eat at a certain restaurant that was down there. I had to park here, that this was for people who had boats. And they're like, we're aware of that. And he continued to question them and to hound them because he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that they owned a boat. And so again, just one of the many things that black people still face today. And then also have to deal with it, not just because of the color of my skin and because I'm young, but as a believer. There's so many stigmas towards Christians being homophobic and transphobic, Islamophobic and being a racist. If I'm honest, a lot of it is because in the past, especially Southern Baptists, you have had people who have used the Bible to preach hate. I call them false Christians. Because for me, one of the biggest rules as a Christian is the golden rule. And you know, when I was teaching um, in California with my little kindergartners, I would tell them all the time, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or even better, you know, because they're kids, treat people the way you want to be treated. And I wouldn't want anyone to hate me. So why would I hate someone else? We're, we're put on this earth to love God's people and to bring them to him, not by force, but by sharing the gospel. You know, we just, we sow the seeds. That's all we, that's all we can do. You know, that, that's what our job is to love on people and to plant seeds. And unfortunately you have so many false Christians out here and so many people have been hurt by the church and have gone away from Christianity as a whole. And I remember there was a group of, I call them radical Christians, that came on my college campus. And I was actually walking to my ministry building when I saw them getting out of their van. And I knew simply by the paraphernalia that was on their van, this was not going to be good. And other people were taking notice too as we were crossing the crosswalk. And of course, maybe 20 minutes later, I had a friend come in the building and she was telling me how these people had yelled at her and told her to cover herself up because she was wearing sandals. And I, of course, was just, I didn't even know what to say because I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And one of my other best friends uh, was gonna go to class. And so I decided to walk her down there because she was pretty nervous about you know, going through. Because by this point, there was a huge crowd of students. You had the radical Christians on one side and you had the students on the other side. And in between them, you had campus police officers because the students were angry. You know, my school is a very diverse school. You know, we have students from all backgrounds. And so when you have groups like that that come in and just are preaching hate and yelling at people, it's just, it's not a good look. And honestly, as believers, that's not the way that you bring people to God. That's not the way to evangelize. You don't scream and preach hate towards people. And as we were walking through the crowd, I saw students of color, students of the LGBTQ plus community going back and forth with these demonstrators. And one thing that really got me, there was this older man that was teasing these girls and kind of degrading them about wearing leggings and jeggings and whatever. And it was wild. Like at one point he took his pants and bunched them up to make them tighter and proceeded to shake his butt and jump up and down. And of course, you know, the girls were screaming because it was disgusting. And as I was making my way back to my ministry building, you know, going through the crowd, I saw this group of LGBTQ plus members and they were waving their rainbow flags and they were shouting and chanting, God loves gays. 
And this one girl in particular caught my attention because she was crying. And I was telling people, you know, hey, like this is not how we all are. I said, we're not all like this. This is not the way you go about evangelizing. And she was crying because of just the, the cruel and hateful things that these people were saying. And in particular, she shared with me that the man who shook his butt at a bunch of the um, young ladies on campus looked at her and flashed his wedding band and then proceeded to point to his wife and said, you see this, you see this wedding band? That means I own her, she's mine. And just the look on her face and the tears in her eyes, it broke my heart. It honestly broke my heart. And that's why I say the world needs love. Everyone deserves to be loved. I don't care what your race or ethnicity is. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care your sexual orientation or your sexuality. Everyone deserves to be loved and treated with respect and human decency. And as a young believer, seeing that, it, it made me sick to my stomach. So I wanna encourage y'all, no matter who you are or where you come from, love on people and surround yourselves with different people. And that's the problem that causes a lot of these issues. You know, some people unfortunately grow up in towns where it's majority white people. And so they've never seen another person of color, anyone who doesn't look like them. And you know, they've been in these bubbles. I have friends like that. I'm a part of a Bible study now with my ministry and we're talking about racial injustice in the church. And two of the ladies in my group, two of my friends recognize this in their own life. Where they grew up going to church and just where simply where they live is very whitewashed. And so when they came to our school, which is again, very, very diverse, actually I believe majority is African-American black students. They, <laughs> my minister used the term of like, you know, when you taste something, you've been eating this cheesecake and you just thought this was like the best cheesecake ever, right? And then you go and find that fancy, fancy, high quality cheesecake. And you realize the cheesecake you thought you had was the best, but you were missing out on a bunch of yummy, yummy flavors. And so once you've had that cheesecake, you don't wanna go back to the plain cheesecake that you thought was amazing. No, you want that high quality, flavorful cheesecake. And that was what their experience was coming to our school and coming to our ministry. And so I just wanna encourage y'all to love each other. Surround yourself with people who are maybe from different religious backgrounds. There's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be around people who are more like you. Especially because as believers, you know, it's good that we are in company with believers so that we can pour into each other and grow. But it's also very important as believers that we surround ourselves with people who are not believers because this allows us to just build community and also evangelize. Never good to have people who believe and think everything you believe and think and feel the exact same way you do about everything because then you wind up being closed-minded in the sense of not being challenged to think outside of your experiences. And again, that's something that I also want to tie back into the issue with Black Lives Matter and with COVID-19. I saw this quote on Instagram last night and it said, what COVID and racism have in common, people don't believe they exist if they haven't been affected personally. And when I tell y'all that post had me 
Kermit the Frog sipping my tea because I was like, wow, like that, the accuracy, you know, I don't know if you guys like TikTok, but you know, <laughs> I was like, ladies and gentlemen, the volume in this bus is astronomical because it, it really hit close because that is the case. You know, that's why a lot of people refuse to wear a mask. And you have some people who believe that racism is just a hoax by the government and that it doesn't exist. You know, it's a tool for the media to cause backlash against Trump and the government. And it's just, I equate that with this. Just here, here's an example that I, I saw someone use. If we all have that mindset that unless we personally experience something that it doesn't exist, okay, I have never been to Oregon. Does that mean the state of Oregon doesn't exist? No, it, it exists, it's a state. I just have never been. But who am I as someone who hasn't traveled to Oregon to say that Oregon does not exist and to not recognize them as being a state? That's an insult to the people who live in Oregon. So just let that sink in. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing day. And I look forward to seeing y'all in part two. Again, this is just the first episode of Mini Guys. I'm just, I'm so excited to really get this podcast off. And as we go further in the episodes, I'm gonna dive deeper and introduce topics that you guys have asked me to talk about. So hope you guys enjoy your day. Stay blessed, know that you are loved, and know that you are worthy. With love, faith. Da -da -da -da.